When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And a very good Monday morning, afternoon, evening to you. Joe Beningo back again, the O oh, the Pain podcast. And, of course, the uh, Oh, the Pain podcast, it is Monday. It is April 3rd. It's 2023, and the Joe Beningo, the Pain podcast brought to you by the Hackensack Brewing Company. Don't forget, Friday, our next live podcast from the Hackensack Brewing Company on a good Friday, and it will be a good Friday, so you want to check us out for that. Of course, the uh, Anita Discount Tire in uh, beautiful Rivervale, New Jersey, and our good friends at DraftKings. So... I thought I'd do something a little different today. Uh, It is the uh, national championship game tonight in the uh, college basketball men's NCAA tournament. And, of course, the uh, upstart, the uh, Cinderella team, really, San Diego State going up against the uh, UConn University of Connecticut Huskies going for their fifth national championship uh, since 1999. They're in their sixth Final Four. San Diego State, of course, for the first time ever in the Final Four. And we saw one of the great uh, great uh, shots in the history of the tournament. The other night, this kid Butler hitting that jump shot at the buzzer for San Diego State to beat Florida Atlantic and get to the championship game. Uh, what a tremendous ending, really the best moment of the tournament so far as uh, they came from 14 points back against Florida Atlantic to pull this game out. Uh, didn't look good for uh, the Aztecs for a while, but they come back and get it done. UConn, on the other hand, has really buried everybody. I mean, the closest game they've had so far was the final four game against Miami, and they beat them by 14. They've really blown uh, really everybody out, starting with their win over Iona, uh, beat St. Mary's, beat Arkansas, uh, blew out Gonzaga in a real heavyweight battle in the uh, regional final, and then, of course, the win over uh, Miami. So UConn uh, rolling right now, and we'll see if Dan Hurley can become the third coach in the history of the – uh, uh, the school of the, of the, of the Huskies of the, uh, of Connecticut to win a championship. Of course, as I mentioned uh, the other day, the legendary Jim Calhoun has three, Kevin Ollie with one and uh, Danny Hurley now going for his first ever. And I figured, you know, with the baseball, the only beginning of the baseball, nice game yesterday, the Mets, Mets behind Kodai Sanger's debut looked really good after a shaky first inning. The Mets beat the Marlins five to one. Tommy Pham had a big day with a two run home and an RBI double. Mets uh, off to a 3-1 start to the season. They take three out of four against Miami. Go to Milwaukee now uh, to play the Brewers. The Yankees uh, two and uh, one yesterday behind the rookie Johnny Brito. Also another home run by Aaron Judge. Another home run, a bomb of a home run, almost 500 feet by Giancarlo Stanton. The Yankees are two and one so far to start the season. They'll play the Phillies uh, next on this homestand uh, to start the season at Yankee Stadium. So 
Uh, it's still a little early in the baseball season. As we all know, Aaron Rodgers is still not here, of course. You know, wherefore art thou, Aaron? Don't hold your breath for uh, when the hell he's going to show up. But nevertheless, you know, Aaron Rodgers still not still not a member of the Jets. So I thought it was a good time to really kind of look at the history of men's college basketball. And before I even do that, let me give a shout out. You know, I was all over the women's tournament. Uh, congratulations to LSU winning their first ever national championship in basketball, whether uh, either men or women. Uh, so congratulations to them. Kim Mulkey, the coach, winning her fourth NCAA championship. Only Gino Oriema and uh, Pat Summit, uh, legendary Pat Summit at Tennessee, have won more national women's national championships than Mulkey. She won three at Baylor and now wins this one at LSU. I'm not sure if she's the only women's coach to win with two different programs. I'm not sure about that, but the great job. Angel Reese was the MVP of the tournament as they really did a good job yesterday against Caitlin Clark. Uh, LSU could not miss a shot. I mean, they were hitting three, and this is not their game, three after three after three to really break the game open. They had a 17-point lead at halftime. Uh, Iowa made a run, cut it to eight, but at the end of the day, it was just too much LSU, and they went at 102 to 85. I want to say a couple other things before I get to uh, a little history in in college basketball. Uh, Number one, the officiating in this game yesterday was brutal. I mean, you could not have a worse officiated championship game than we saw yesterday uh, in the women's final. It it was horrific. Uh, Nobody wants to see the stars in foul trouble. Angel Reese got an early two fouls, sat most of the first half for LSU. Um, uh, The girl, Sinano, how you say her name, the big center uh, for Iowa, she was in foul trouble, eventually fouled out of the game. Caitlin Clark. Uh, had wound up with four fouls. She was laced in foul trouble as well. The fourth foul they called on her, which also was a technical, because uh, in college basketball, technically you also get a personal foul, was ridiculous. She just kind of flipped the ball away. They threw a technical on her. It was absolutely horrific, no doubt. Uh, just ticky-tack, stupid, brutal fouls. Nobody wants to see the stars in foul trouble. Nobody wants to see a constant parade to the foul line. Uh, horrible. And the officiating throughout both the men and women's NCAA tournament this year has been nothing short of brutal. Uh, there's no other way to say it. But congratulations to LSU. They really neutralized Caitlin Clark. Uh, I think they held it to like, I think, I think she had 31 yesterday after those back-to-back 40-plus games she had in the uh, the regional final and uh, then on into the uh, uh, semifinal win over when they took down the mighty undefeated South Carolina Gamecocks in what was just a, a tremendous, tremendous game. Caitlin Clark putting on some show there. And, and, and I got to say this, too. I, I really hate to get into this, but I have to. Because I was very, very bothered when I saw this line. You know, all year long, I really ha- have admired this. And I've really gotten into the co- women's college basketball this year. I really admired the, the, the Lady Gamecocks. You know, tremendous team. Old school team. They don't beat you beating win it with threes. They beat you on defense. They're a phenomenal offensive rebounding team. They're terrific under the basket blocking shots. You know, Leah Boston was now headed to the WNBA. Camilla Cardozo, you know, specifically those two guys, those two ladies, I should say, under the uh, under the basket. Uh, uh, really, a terrific defensive a defensive basketball team. And they, they just wear you down underneath and they, and they kill you under the glass. And that's how they won all year long. 
But they got beat pretty bad. That Really, they were in trouble right from the get-go against Iowa in the semifinal game. You know, clock was off and running. I mean, she just did everything you could possibly do as, uh, you know, the comparisons to the, the late, great pistol Pete Baravich certainly apply when you're talking about uh, Caitlin Clark. And that was a terrific win over South Carolina. Uh, they deserved to. Iowa did, did everything and, and just outplayed them. Let's be honest. They completely outplayed uh, South Carolina in that game. They were daring South Carolina, especially Raven Johnson, their point guard, to take three-point shots. She did hit a few to her credit. But, um, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, get, get unbelievable the performance by Clark. And I'm uh, very happy that she's coming back for another year next year. And really, the women's tournament really took off this year. They got the biggest rating they've ever had. I think last year they got about a 2.2 million people watched the uh, the uh, national semifinals last year, the final four of the women. This year, over 4.5 million people. And I'm not sure what the ratings were for the championship game, but I'm sure they were damn good. So, you know, women's basketball really, women's college basketball really took off this year. And, you know, with the, with the greatness of Caitlin Clark, uh, the uh, the – Dominance of South Carolina till they ran into to her and the Iowa and that buzzsaw. And, you know, LSU, obviously, and just some of the teams we saw this year. UConn, not quite the team they've been in the past as they got knocked out in the Sweet 16 by Ohio State. But they'll have Paige Becker back next year and all that. But a couple of things. First of all, in the championship game, how about how about Angel Reese basically punking? Because she really did. And not, not enough was made. They didn't say anything about this on the broadcast, of course. But really punking Caitlin Clark at, at, toward the end of the game when it looked when LSU pretty much had the game in hand and and uh, Reese is walking by Caitlin Clark and showing her her ring finger how I'm going to have a ring on my finger kind of sticking it in her face a little bit and Caitlin Clark really wasn't looking at her I thought that was interesting and nobody really said anything about that I guess maybe because it's the women I don't know but Angel Reese cl- clearly clearly kind of punked Caitlin Clark. Showing her, hey, we got the ring and you don't. And that's pretty much what she was implying there. I thought that was pretty interesting. Nobody said a word about that. But I want to get back to the to the head coach, Dawn Staley who, of South Carolina. I was rooting all year for them. I watched them a lot. I really appreciated how they played. Or like I said, an old school team. It's not all about three-point shots with them. They rebound. They play defense. Very physical, def- a, you know, a basketball team and all of that. And before the semifinal game, uh, Lisa Bluter, who was the head coach of Iowa, basically said that they're so good on the offensive glass, South Carolina, that it's almost and when you play them on the glass, it's like uh, it's like a bar fight. Right. That's what that's the description that Bluter said about, you know, trying to trying to rebound with South Carolina. And I, I when I heard that line, I went to me, I, that's a compliment to South Carolina, how tough they are under the basket. Well, apparently Dawn Staley, who I have tremendous respect for, I think she's a tremendous coach. She's already won two national championships. She came so close to winning an undefeated third. Uh, You know, I think she could coach, easily coach in the NBA, coach men, the men in the NBA. I think that's how good a coach I think she is. I think she's well-respected. But for her to go off the rails a little bit and being, you know, totally offended by that line, and somehow, I hate to get to go here, but somehow bringing race into it with that, you know, with, with what Bluta said is absurd. I mean, come on, Thorne. You're better than that. You're much better than that. That was a compliment to how good your team is on the glass. And they are a gr- they're as good an offensive rebounding team as I've ever seen men or women. 
I mean, there's no question about it. And for her to, you know, take that as an insult or as, uh, be offended by it, I thought was wrong. And, uh, you know, Lisa Bluter even said, it. hey, look, this is a compliment, what I was saying to them. I, I'm not trying to uh, call them thugs or whatever the hell you want to, uh, the terms that Staley was using. So I was, I, was, I was a little upset by that with Dawn Staley. Like I said, I've been rooting for her all year. I wanted to see South Carolina get that undefeated season. I did. And, uh, you know, like I said, great respect for her and her program. And like I said, I think she could coach in the NBA. I think she's that good or coach men, the men in college basketball. And for her to really take the low road after that comment by Lisa Bluter, I thought was really uh, just, you know, not a good look for Dawn Staley. Dawn Staley, like I said, she's she's way above that. So I just had to make that commentary. But it really enjoyed the women's tournament. It was great. And again, congratulations to uh, Kim Mulkey, LSU, and everybody over there uh, as they uh, got the job done yesterday. They were a slight underdog against Iowa, and they got the job done, and they really neutralized Caitlin Clark. But again, the officiating yesterday was brutal. There's no other way to say it, it was brutal. All right, Beningo, the Oda Payne podcast. Uh, so I figured I'd do a little overview today of the great. I, I was thinking about this, and I've been watching college basketball since about, you know, I guess 1961, 1962, somewhere around there. My father would always take me to the old doubleheaders at the old garden, you know, the holiday festival, the NIT, when the NIT was a big deal you know, back in the sixties and all of that. Um, I was there tonight. Bill Bradley had that classic game in the holiday festival in December of 1964 against uh, Cassie Russell in Michigan when he scored 42, eventually fouled out and Michigan wound up beating Princeton in that game. And then of course they played again in the final four that year in 1965 and Michigan beat Princeton in that final four game. And then Michigan went on to lose to UCLA uh, the second of the uh, second second uh, championship in a row for UCLA that year, Gail Goodrich and Keith Erickson, the big stars on that team. And that was John Wooden's second championship. So I was at the garden for that holiday festival that night with my father. Uh, never forget it. Seeing the great Bill Bradley, one of the great college players of all time. And of course, back then they had the consolation game uh, in the in the tournament. So the two, the teams that lost in the final four would play a consolation game for third place before the championship game. And in that game, Princeton played Wichita State. Dave DeRave Stallworth, of course, who played on the 1970 championship Nick team, was on that Wichita State team. Bradley went for 58 in that game as Princeton uh, won the third place, uh, whatever, trophy, whatever the hell you want to call it, participation trophy. I guess they would call that now. Bradley went for 58, which is still the record for a uh, Final Four uh, scoring record. So, uh, but I'll never forget that. But that really got me thinking about the the top five greatest college players I ever saw. And you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do all. We're gonna do our sponsors here, and I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna give you a little feel, a little different, a little history today, a little different on uh, you know uh, instead of just the usual breaking down the Met and Yankee games with. You know, both teams with about 159 games to go. But so, nevertheless. All right. Well, that's all, as my wife said. Anyway, of course, the Knicks did clinch a playoff spot yesterday. Good for them um, as they beat the Washington Wizards. So, they pretty much have in that fifth spot. You're going to see them play uh, Donovan Mitchell in Cleveland, more than, more than likely in the first round. The Nets yesterday with a big win as they are coming closer and closer to clinching that sixth spot in the playoffs and staying out of the play-in. Uh, so uh, let me throw that that in there as well as we get close to the 
NBA playoffs, just a couple games left in the season. I think the Knicks have three games left to play. But getting back to the uh, to the sponsors. All right, so the, the Hackensack Brewing Company, we're going to do our next live podcast. It's coming up Friday. Uh, good Friday. You want to be there. It should be good. Have some surprises. Uh, we'll let you know who's going to be the guest. It looks like it's probably going to be JJ, who's coming back today from uh, Las Vegas from his bachelor party. I hope he can move. But nevertheless, the uh, the Hackensack Brewing Company, just 10 minutes off the GW Bridge, 30 seconds off uh, Route 4. And beautiful, beautiful. Who needs a house out in Hackensack, New Jersey? You know, the tap room's open 4.30 to 10 Monday through Friday, 2 to 10 Saturday, 12 to 8 Sunday, 78 Johnson Avenue in Hackensack. Come, check it out. Uh, see everybody, Mike Jones, TJ, Herb, Andre, cast of thousands. Check out my Oda Payne beer. Remember, we got a new packaging coming up for the baseball season. We got the football colors with the Jets, the green and white. We're going to have the orange and blue with the Mets coming up. I know TJ's been working on it. So uh, yeah, when you when you go there Friday, I don't know if I'll have it ready for Friday, but he might. And uh, either way, you want to check out the Oda Payne beer. <coughs> As I cough up a lung. When you go there on uh, Friday, taking a little break here. It's always enjoyable when you got to get the phlegm out of your mouth, you know? <laughs> anyway, nobody's laughing. Well, that's what's going on. Well, Joe, what do you want me to tell you? I mean, people are like, yeah, Beningo's dying. I mean, you know, don't worry. Well, I'm closer to death than birth. We know that. Anyway. So, and the tombstone will be there eventually. 78 in at the Brewing Company, 78 Johnson Avenue in Hackensack. We'll see you there Friday night. Check out Anita Discount Tire, Rivervale, New Jersey, Westwood Avenue. See Johnny, my son. See um, uh, Ari over there. They do a great job. Uh, again, 70, it's not 78, but it's Westwood Avenue, Rivervale, New Jersey. You need tires. You need work done on your car. You know that's the place to go. And uh, tell them that uh, I sent you. And then, of course, our friends at DraftKings, you want to bet the national championship game tonight? Uh, you want to, uh, you know, bet a little baseball? You want to do some prop bets? You want to bet the Masters coming up? Oh, boy, the Masters this week, Thursday, it all gets underway. It's going to be great to see how it's the live tour people react against the guys in the PGA. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the fur may be flying there starting Thursday at Augusta National. I'm very excited for that. So, uh you want to bet that? That's coming up. I like Scotty Scheffler. Here's my. Here's the guys I like: Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris, Max Homer. Those are the three names I'm throwing out there. All right. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, I know my buddy Tommy Keenan likes Cameron Young, the kid from up here in Sleepy Hollow. So uh, we'll see how that goes with him. But nevertheless, you want to bet the Masters? DraftKings is the way to go. And of course, we will. Uh, uh, the NBA playoffs, the NHL, you know, Stanley Cup playoffs as well. And uh, like I said, uh, we will uh, have the DraftKings with us for a third straight year uh, once the NFL season starts in September. All right. But then go to the Payne podcast. So, like I said, so I was going to – I was thinking in my lifetime, the five greatest college basketball players that I have seen. All right. Now, it's not, it's not quite the way it was because you have so much of the one and done now, you know – it's hard to put a guy that was that's one and done as one of the great college players of all time. I mean, look, Carmelo Anthony won a national championship in his one and only year, his freshman year at Syracuse back in 2003. He was a tremendous college player for that year, but I can't put him in that category. He only played one year. To me, you got to play at least two years. And I thought about Magic Johnson, who played two years. 
uh, at Michigan State. And, of course, won the national championship in 79, beating Indiana State and Larry Bird in that game. And, all you know, one of the most – I think it's still the highest-rated game in the history of the, of the uh, national title game back in 79 in Salt Lake City. So Magic was a great college player, but he does just doesn't quite make the cut over the top five. So here's the guys. The number one guy has got to be Lou Alcindor Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, I, I, it has to be him, you know? Three straight national – and remember, when he played at UCLA, your freshman couldn't play. So Kareem only played three years there. And, yeah, I mean, what did they go? I think the, I think the final number was they went 88-2 and two over those three years. They won three consecutive national championships, uh, only lost two games. The two games they lost was that famous game in his uh, junior year in uh, 1969, his second year there. When I actually, I guess it was still 68, not 69. It was 68, his junior year, when he lost 71-69. UCLA lost 71-69 in the Astrodome to Houston, Elvin Hayes in Houston. And, you know, what a game that was. But remember, Kareem had a bad eye in that game. And Houston only won by two, 71-69. And then UCLA destroyed him. They played him in the Final Four and beat him 101-69. They killed him. So that's the first game he lost. And then the last game of his of his uh, uh, senior year, a regular season game, they lost to USC. Those are the only two. They won three straight national titles. I got to put Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lou Alcindor, number one. Number two has to be Bill Walton, also at UCLA. Uh, two straight national titles, both undefeated, 88 consecutive wins. He had maybe the greatest game I've ever seen in uh, in, in the cha- in the uh, final round, that uh, 1973 national championship game against Memphis. When he hit 21 out of 22 shots, scored 44 points. Remember, there was no, they still had the no dunk rule then, too. If you remember that game, Greg Lee, the point guard, was throwing shots up and, and, and Walton was kind of tapping him off the glass. It was unbelievable. But so Bill Walton's got to be number two. Kareem, number one. Bill Walton, number two, both the UCLA. The next guy's got to be Christian Leitner. It's got to be. How great a college player was Christian Leitner? And he never that never materialized for him in the NBA. But as far as a college player, two straight national championships at Duke, uh, probably the most famous shot in the history of the NCAA tournament, his game-winning buzzer-beater shot against uh, Kentucky in the 1992 regional finals uh, on that great pass from Grant Hill, catch and turn and hit it to win that champ to win that uh, regional against Kentucky and go on to win that national championship. Remember, he went 10 for 10. From the field, I don't think he didn't miss a shot in that game late. No, I think he was ten for ten from the field and like ten for ten from the foul line. It was unbelievable. But you got to look at Christian Leitner, and you know it's funny. Even some of the guys you talk to guys like Shaquille O'Neal who played against him in college when Shaq was at LSU. You talk to the guys from the Fab Five, you know uh, Chris Webber and Jalen Rose and and Jawan Howard. Remember uh, Duke beat them in their second uh, of this uh, back-to-back championships. In uh, 1992, let's not forget that. Remember, they beat the first one that they won in 91 after they had beaten the undefeated and defending champion Las Vegas running Rebels, the Larry Johnson, Stacey Augman, Greg Anthony team in one of the great uh, Final Four games of all time. They beat Kansas for the national championship, and then they went on, and the next year beat the Fab Five. They beat Michigan. Uh, And those guys will tell you, man, (laughs) that uh, 
they would look at him and say, ah, this guy, this late, you know, this white boy, he can't be that good, right? He ain't that good. And he would go out there and school everybody when he was in college. Like I said, ask Shaq, ask Chris Webber, they'll tell you. They couldn't believe how good this guy was. So uh, you got to put Christian Leitner in there. Uh, the next guy's got to be Patrick Ewing. I mean, I, he was as dominant a college player as we ever saw. He went to, in his four years in college, he went to three championship games. It came came within a Michael Jordan shot in 1982. And, of course, that pass, that bad pass from Freddie Brown giving the ball to James Worthy at the end of the game in the championship game against North Carolina when Freddie Brown thought that was his teammate, right? And then the perfect game in his last game of Ewing's college career against Villanova, he came that close, and they won the championship in 84 when they beat Hakeem and Five Slam Ajama in Houston in 84. But that's how close – you know, Ewing came to winning three national championships in his four years. He was as dominant a player in college as there could be. Uh, everybody, when, you know, when the Knicks wound up winning the lottery, which I still think was fixed in uh, 1985, and nothing has been fixed for the Knicks since, I can tell you that. Uh, uh, Ewing, uh, I thought it was, this guy was going to be the second coming of Bill Russell, just a dominant defensive player, great rebounder. And he turned into becoming a completely different player with the Knicks, much more of a shooter, offensive player, still a Hall of Famer, but unfortunately uh, never got that NBA championship. He beat Hakeem in college. Hakeem beat him in the finals in the pros in 1994, of course, in that uh, NBA finals when the Houston Rockets beat the Knicks. And how much of a little did we know as Knicks fans that when they lost the when Georgetown lost to North Carolina and Jordan in '82, that you know uh, what a, this was going to be. We're going to see a lot of this in the pros, and it didn't bother you too much in in, the, in college. But if you're a Knicks fan, it sure as hell bothered you when Jordan and the Bulls continued to beat Ewing and the Knicks every time in the freaking playoffs. So, but but who knew? So Patrick Ewing got to be in there. Uh, and then the last guy, I thought long and hard about this guy. Who is the next guy? Those four guys were pretty easy for me. But then I'm thinking about who, you know, who would be the next guy? Was it Bill Bradley of Princeton? Was it the great David Thompson, great David Skywalker Thompson of North Carolina State? Of course, he was uh, winning that national championship. They remember they, they ended UCLA's run of, uh, uh, how many was it, seven consecutive national championships when they uh, knocked them off in the, uh, when they knocked them off, of course, in the final four game in 1974, a game that really John Wooden kind of blew that game, but whatever, you know. But David Thompson, great college player. Uh, drugs really kind of uh, curtailed his NBA career. But I thought about him. I thought about Magic, even though he only played two years. Uh, he was just a tremendous, tremendous college player. You know, those were the kind of guys, those were the guys that I was, you know, kind of running through my head as maybe being the next guy, the great Calvin Murphy at Niagara. But you know what? It's got to be this guy. Even though he did not really win anything in college, was there really a more dynamic or more iconic college player than Pistol Pete Maravich at LSU? I, mean, I don't think there was. I mean, look, we didn't have the access to seeing college basketball games back then, like in the 70s, late 60s, 70s, like we have now. But when you had a chance to see the Pistol, man, that was appointment television. I remember one of the great games – uh, that was on TV, LSU, Kentucky. And I think LSU lost the game. Maravich scored 64. And Dan Issel of Kentucky, who turned out to be a great pro later on, scored 51 in that game. And I think Kentucky wound up winning it. 
That game was on television, and that was an all-time uh, classic game, no doubt about it. I was fortunate enough in 1970 to see Maravich. That was his final year of his career, college career. I was fortunate enough to see him in the NIT uh, against Oklahoma. He scored, yeah, and my my, my uncle, uh, the great late great Charlie Beningo, my father had passed already, took me to the garden to see that game. The other game was Marquette. I forget who they played, but the Dean Memminger Marquette team under Al McGuire. That was the year Al McGuire um, uh, said the held with the NCAA and went to the NIT because the NCAA wasn't putting him in the regional he felt he should have went to, and they wound up winning that NIT. Dean Memminger, of course, who later on uh, played with the Knicks, on a big player uh, off the bench on the 73 championship Knicks for Marquette and all of that. Of course, McGuire won his championship in 77 and then retired right after that. But um, I saw Maravich live. He had 38 points that night, and I was disappointed. He only scored 38. I'm like, the pistol had an off game. That was the one time I saw him. Of course, I saw him live in the pros the next year uh, with the Hawks. And the, the Hawks played the Knicks in the first round of the playoffs that year, and I was fortunate enough to have tickets to those games. And one of the great moments of my life was along with my buddy uh, Gary Lindenbaum, chasing Pete Maravich after one of those Nick Hawk playoff games about five blocks as he was getting ready to get into a, a cab. And we finally caught up to him and he signed, he signed off program. Boy, I wish I had this autograph. Now he signed a program for me. He didn't sign it. Pete Maravich. He signed it. The pistol. Oh, <laughs> I never forget. I can still see it right now as we approach him and he was signing on it. But what a legendary iconic player, a lot of people have uh, likened uh, Caitlin Clark, uh, the young lady from Iowa, very much a lot of Pistol Pete in her, no doubt about it. But if the if if the three point shot was was legal back in the old days in college basketball, Maravich would have averaged about sixty points a game. You talk about un, unlimited range. We've seen Caitlin Clark shoot some thirty five foot three pointers here in the tournament. A couple yesterday. I mean, Maravich was doing this all the time. So that so these are the these are the guys. Beningo's list for the top five greatest college players of all time: Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of UCLA, Bill Walton of UCLA, Christian Leitner of Duke, Patrick Ewing of Georgetown, and the late great the Pistol Pete Maravich of LSU. Oh boy! Enjoy tonight's national championship game. UConn's the favorite. I tell you, I wouldn't mind seeing San Diego State win this game. I, I think it's going to be a better game than we think, even though UConn has blown everybody out. Everybody, enjoy your week. Enjoy the nice weather coming up. The baseball, the basketball, the hockey, all of it. Uh, Have a great, great week. All the love. And also, God bless America.